Welcome to Conversations on Life, Work, and Love, hosted by coaches Bonnie Blackstone and Ramey Gibbs. Our focus is to give voices to Gen X women and help them achieve a well-lived life. Good afternoon, Ramey. How are you today? Doing okay, Miss Bonnie. How are things there in the old Washington state? Not bad. Sun's out. Um, I know we weren't going to talk about weather anymore. I know. <laughs> it's so <laughs> easy to go to that, right? Oh, we need to like practice our intros better. <laughs> I know. You know, some days you just get blah, 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 same old shit, new day. Yeah. So yeah, but All the right, sun so- is shining. So this is good. All right. So let's do this. So say Mm -hmm. something new that happened last week or something interesting. Something new or interesting. Well, oh, you know what we did yesterday? This was kind of fun. I don't know. It's not new or interesting, but it was super windy. And, you know, we live on the waterfront, you know, Puget Sound waterfront and the waves were crazy and just spraying over the walls. And, um, Easton and I had Easton's my five-year-old. We were, um, out running errands I said let's go check out the waves so we pulled to the side of the road and just went for a walk on the sidewalk got completely drenched but Mm. it was just so much fun he was just having such a blast playing in these the sea spray and it was was crazy but that was awesome yeah Yeah. how about you So I'm trying to remember this is how bad it gets sometimes if this was actually last week or if it was the week before. Yay, getting old is fun. Um, I think (laughs) it was last week. So I went to this really cool place um, called Infinite Love. And you'll tell me if I talked about this, where we did a group meditation. Did we Mm -hmm. talk about this on there? I don't remember, but this was really cool. So um, it's like an hour and a half to two hours. And they do kind of a presentation about something spiritual. And then you do a group meditation. So you're sitting with a bunch of people you don't know, but really trying to raise the the vibration in the room. So Mm -hmm. it was super cool. It came out of it very feeling very connected. And now I really want to create something like this where I live, because this was in a a 45 minute to an hour drive from where I am. Very Um, cool. Now I've got to find the space. So that's kind of become my my mission is to find space to do something like that. (laughs) Very cool. Ever evolving. It's all right. Well, today we have a guest who is a breast cancer survivor, um, which speaks deeply to my heart because my mother is also a breast cancer survivor. So I'm really excited to hear Jamie Vaughn's story. Jamie, welcome to the show. We're excited to have you. Um, Oh, Bonnie and Ramey, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. I I love listening to you guys talk. That's awesome. We just talk. (laughs) Sometimes we forget where we have a podcast. We just talk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So So tell us a little bit more. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. So fill us in Um, a little bit on your story. Gosh. Um, I have a it's it's a it's quite a it's it's a story. Um, yeah. So I was diagnosed in June of 2022, June 11 of 2022 to, to be exact of uh, stage two, uh, HER2 positive estrogen and progesterone negative breast cancer. And it So just, what does that mean? Explain that a little bit. What does that mean? It sounds uh, like garbly gook. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's 
it's a very aggressive um, tumor that grew, I guess, out of the year. It, I, it's really hard to explain the, the details and um, the nitty gritty about what kind it is. What I did learn is, is that there are all kinds of different breast cancers and all kinds of different treatments according to the kind of breast cancer you have. So I'm still mm -hmm. learning a lot about it. But I know that there are people who have HER2 negative, HER2 positive, estrogen, progesterone negative and positive. So, um, and I'm, I'm still really unclear about how it all comes about and what, what kind of deemed me as HER2 positive, estrogen and progesterone negative. Um, I did find out the other day uh, through a functional health doctor that um, birth control may have had something to do with that type of breast cancer. And mm. so that kind of blew me away because I have never heard of that. So I'm on the, on a mission to find out why, how that mm -hmm. happens. But you know, his whole thing is, you know, putting all of those, the estrogen and progesterone into your body and it just kind of screws everything up. And if you're on breast cancer or if you're on uh, birth control for more than four years, you know, and, and, and I'm looking at him thinking, I was, you know, did I, and so then you start questioning, did I do this to myself? But of course it wasn't our fault, right? We didn't know. Well, yeah, well, that's um, terrifying. Cause I was on it for probably 30 years. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we, and we do know that, well, first of all, we do know that one in eight women get breast cancer at some point in their life. And so it's a very good chance that people are going to get it. And I mean, I heard before breast cancer that one of my friends said that her doctor said, um, that it's not a matter of if you're going to get it, it's when you're going to get it. And if you live long enough and that was kind of a scary thing in itself. Sure. And this is before I got breast cancer. So I've always, you know, really taken good care of my gynecological health. And mm -hmm. I've always gone to get mammograms every year, very, you know, like clockwork. I knew at some point in the last 10 years that I had dense breast tissue um, and I didn't really quite know what that meant other than it's hard to find, it's hard to see, uh, breast mm -hmm. cancer in patients, whether they be, sure. you know, the calcifications or the tumors. So, uh, they started doing a diagnostics mammogram on me and then also ultrasound. So in the last 10 years, I've had two lumpectomies and it was scary, but they were benign. And so- and I was just sort of going about my life. I was in my last year of teaching. I had been teaching for almost 20 years in our district. And I was super excited about that. And I was busier than all get out. I was, I had a million things going on before breast cancer. Um, I was super excited to, to retire and I had started a coaching business for educators. I had a podcast called Be That Teacher. I had 11 episodes and that's what I was going to do in my retirement. And um, and so June 4th or June 2nd, I got a little ping on my phone and it said, hey, you know, it's time for your mammogram. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, so I was sitting out front in the front yard, having a beer with my husband and I picked up the phone and I made a, made an appointment to get my mammogram and it wasn't going to be for three more weeks because, you know, with insurance, you can only get it once a year and you have to wait one day after one year. Right. And they always ask, or they should ask, you know, have you felt anything different? Um, do you, have you, have you felt any lumps? Have you felt any, anything? 
And I said, no, no, you know, and I said, nope, I'm fine. And I thought to myself, if, if anything's there, they're going to see it in three weeks. Right. Mm -hmm. So I hung up the phone and my husband looked at me and he says, yeah, that that's not true. That's not true. And I said, you're right. He goes, you do, you do have a lump. And I felt that lump and you do, you have felt sensations in your breasts. And I said, you're right. What was I thinking? Like, that Mm. is not something I would normally say, because I will say if something is wrong or I felt something, I'm that kind of person. And I listen Mm -hmm. to my body and I have a good intuition and I'm like, you're right. I picked the phone back up and I said, that's not true. I actually have felt a lump and it feels different than the lumps that I always feel because I have lumpy boobs. And when you Mm -hmm. have dense breast tissue, sometimes you do. Um, And I also have felt burning sensations. So I started thinking back the last few months before my retirement, I started feeling um, sensations in my breast, like burning sensations, like real quick, you know, or little mm-hmm. zingers. And I'd be like, Oh, what's that? that? You know? And then yeah. I would go about my merry way and have, and go about my day. Um, and so I called them and told them that. And they said, Oh, well, in that case, we're going to move your mammogram up by three weeks. And they did. Right. So two days after that phone call, I had an enormous retirement party at our house in our new kitchen. I was so excited Tons of people were here. We had a band in the backyard. And on Tuesday, the 7th, I went in to get my mammogram a few days after the party. And I remember, and I'm pretty good at looking at the at the ultrasound tech <laughs> and, and looking at her face and, and I could tell that she saw something. Mm-hmm. And so I was called back to talk to the radiologist that was on duty that day, Dr. McDonald. And I thought, uh-oh. Okay. Here we go. Yep. (laughs) So I went in there and it's not the first time I had to talk to a doctor or come back for further testing. So part of me was like, it's okay, but uh uh-oh. Yeah. So I went back there and he showed me that, you know, he saw the associated mass with these uh, groupings of calcification. So I don't know if you ladies know, but when you have dense breast tissue, finding breast cancer is like finding a snowflake in a snowstorm. Yeah, it's, it's really, you have to be able to understand the kind of scans you get, ma'am, you know, if it's a 3d mammogram, are you getting an ultrasound with it? So I'm very, very, uh, vocal about making sure that women know that don't just get a little screening, make sure that you are saying, I want, this is what I want. I want a mammogram. I want a 3d mammogram. I want a, you know, an ultrasound because a lot of times, you know, that, is more helpful in, in detecting early. And so, um, anyway, so he told me about that and I just happened to tell them, can you please share these results with our friend who is a radiologist who works in the other location of the breast center, who just happened to be at my retirement party a few days prior. Um, and he did. And, um, our friend called me at six 30 that night and said, here is what I'm seeing. And, um, it is a 95% chance or more that it is breast cancer. And I was like, great. So, okay. So he was able to get my biopsy moved up by a week, which was really nice. It's nice to know people and know the questions to ask and just have those connections. Um, and so I went in that Friday, um, to get the biopsy, which was the most horrific, uh, experience. It was incredibly painful. I was, 
it was terrible. What, um, talk about talk about that a little bit. What is that experience uh, like? It, 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 I didn't realize. So when you get a biopsy, like I have had lumpectomies where they put you under biopsies. Um, I've had biopsies, but it just, it, I, I actually felt like they didn't numb it or, or, you know, make it so that it would be less painful and come to find out most women who have had breast biopsies like that, they will tell you the same thing. It's just the most painful and it's scary. And they didn't, they don't tell you, you know, it's sure. like, it's like getting a catheter put in you and you're, and they don't tell you how painful it's going to feel. When you get, and so, and I've had that happen too, but, um, they go in there and they put these markers, these clips, because they need to know where they are looking. And, um, so anyway, it just took a while and it made me sick to my stomach and I got home. And I remember that over the next couple of days, I looked at my breast and it was just fully, fully bruised. And I took pictures of it just to prove it to myself that I'm not a baby. <laughs> like, right. look at how bruised this is. Um, but that is just where they go in take out this, the sample and also put a marker in there. So they remember where it is and stuff like that. So, so is it like a needle or what, uh, what's the yeah, tool I, like, how would you describe it? I didn't or, even see you it. Didn't, you didn't look at it. You were just like, <laughs> I, didn't, oh, yeah. I didn't okay. even see it. I was just, I, I had to look away. I was so nauseous. I don't like needles anyway, but, um, it was, it, it's, but I think, yeah, I think it's a needle. It's a little thing and they have a little thing on there and it puts in the clip. Um, okay onto where your calcifications are, wherever they're looking. So, um, yeah. And so I was again, lucky enough that my radiologist called and said, do you want to know? Cause I was going camping that weekend, um, with some friends and he says, do you want to know in 24 hours or do you want me to wait until Monday? And I said, no, I want to know in 24 hours if possible. Yeah. yeah. So he did like it literally 24 hours later on a Saturday, June 11, I was sitting out at the lake. Uh, with some friends uh, at our campsite, we had just been paddle boarding and I was waiting and he called me and told me. So, um, you know, I caught it early. Um, stage two is relatively early depending on, you know, what kind of breast cancer you have, I guess, but stage two. Um, and then from there, it was, I was in a whirlwind of crazy emotional meltdown it was, it was just, I guess this is my retirement this year. I wasn't, it was exactly the opposite of what I expected for my yeah. retirement to be. Yeah. Can oh you gosh. talk a little bit about the emotions, the feelings that you went through when you first got the diagnosis or even before that, let's talk about when you were told that maybe, what do you feel then? And then talk about the feelings with the diagnosis a little bit. Um, you know, I, knew on that Tuesday that it really probably wasn't a maybe. I I knew that when he told me that it was a 95% chance or more, that's a, that's a but pretty yeah. big indicator. Yeah. And um, knowing that there, so when, when the original doctor said, you know, you have these calcifications, which is normal, you know, normal that, you know, people have calcifications. It's when there's groupings of calcifications, that's when they get really concerned. So I knew that night that, um, it was, it was breast cancer. I just had to get the final word of pathology and everything. Um, I was, I don't know that I was necessarily in denial. I, 
was trying to think to myself, how am I going to get through this? What is this going to look like? My husband and I had just gotten in this crazy fight a, um, an hour prior and he knew that I had gone in and I, and the word that I got that Tuesday. So he was in a real weird foul funk that mm -hmm. day after he found out. And so I was having emotional reaction to how he was being towards me. Sure. Then I find out about this 95% chance or more that it is breast cancer. So I was trying to juggle those two things. He did end up kind of popping out of whatever his funk was and being a lot nicer that night. We were going to a concert and we were with some friends and my dad. Um, and so it wasn't until getting closer to Friday of the biopsy that I really started feeling those overwhelming feeling of, oh my gosh, what is this going to look like? Is this really breast cancer? And my husband was still kind of in that week of just kind of being in a weird place himself. So I, in hindsight, yeah. I look at that. I'm like, okay, he was in a weird place himself because sure, his he wife was scared just found too. Yeah. Yeah. Fear. yeah. Yeah. And so I didn't let him come to the biopsy with me. He was going to come with me. And I said, I don't want you to go. And so I took wow. one of my best friends instead. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, I was scared. I yeah. was, uh, I, I it, it is so hard to explain the downward spiral that you go into when you find out something like that. I have always been a very, very healthy person. And it's interesting because when I did find out, I put it out there on Facebook. I, you know, I'm very open. I talk about the good, the bad, the ugly. I think that's how I process. And that's how I've always processed since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I put it out there, some comments that I heard that really, really were very confusing was, oh my gosh, Janie, but you were so healthy. Like what happened, you know? Yeah. And it really confused me because I'm like, I had just lost like 33 pounds the year before. And I was at, literally at the healthiest I had felt in my life. And, mm. and I was like, well, I I am healthy. What are you talking about? You know, and, yeah. and come to find out it, healthy people can get cancer. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you know, know, because that... usually, yeah, I mean, when you look at other people, yeah. you're like, well, you know, that person's going to, you know, has more of a chance to get cancer than I do. And it's just not the case, I guess, you it's know, not, you know, it just came to mind as you were saying that the weird comments and things people say, we had a episode a couple weeks ago with a, um, chaplain who's a grief counselor and we talked about different types of grief and the ridiculous things people will say they think they you know it's coming from the right place but it's a little stupid <laughs> you know, it just yeah. came to yeah. mind that you were in a state of shock and grief and you're like what the hell I know I know I'm healthy but you're absolutely right yeah well yeah there's so much I kind mystery of... around cancer and yeah Oh, I took it as kind of an insult in a way, mm -hmm, because I'm sure. like, here I am out there, you know, I was a health coach. I, you know, like I helped people lose weight through a program that I went through. And, and so I was thinking, oh my God, did I do, I mean, I had, I, it's amazing the comments that I got even, yeah. you know, further down the road, but, um, 
The emotions are what I've learned in hindsight. I am a year and a half, a little more, more than a year and a half out from uh, being cancer or yeah, from being, can well, from my diagnosis, I should say, I'm a little over a year from being cancer free. Okay. And I've learned a lot in hindsight, you know, why I was feeling certain ways and allowing people to feel certain ways. And speaking of those comments, um, when my mom died four and a half years ago, I got a lot of comments that were just like, why are you saying that to me? Oh yeah. And, <laughs> yes. and I know, and now I know people are, you know, people mean well, and I've probably, I know I've said things that probably were not appropriate and I just didn't know it at the time. And I guess it's until you go through it, you don't know. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And cancer is um, such a scary topic. You know, it's like this monster that looms over all of us and we're so uncomfortable with it. Well, it feels but like I, a death sentence, right? I mean, I initially. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, I, um, when my friend told me that her doctor said that before I got breast cancer, I had it in the back of my mind, two things, a little bit of breast cancer or cancer is what happens to other people. Sure. Yeah. That was a little bit of it. And I think until you get any kind of cancer, that might be a little bit of what you have in the back of your mind. But I also had in the back of my mind, I'm probably going to get breast cancer at some point in my life. Mm -hmm. And so the more I know, uh, the better. So I knew a lot, but boy, there was so much I did not know. I mean, it, it's just, it was, just, and so when you, when you're talking about the emotions, when you start here, you know, having all of this information coming at you, when you start going to the oncologist and the surgeon and, and all those things. And then, and then on top of that, having all these other people make comments on your social media or text messaging and, um, and giving you advice, don't do chemo. It's terrible. You know, telling you not to do certain things when you're a parent, you're actually going in to do chemo. Sure. <laughs> it just kind of plays into that overwhelming fear. And, um, and I was pissed off. I was mm -hmm. angry. Yeah. I was, uh, in, at, like a child, super scared. I was in a very, very, very deep, dark hole is what I was. Yeah. <laughs> but let me out. Let me out. Yeah. yeah. It's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, I just, yeah. I just retired, you know, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're angry at everybody. Probably oh, yeah. you're angry. You're angry at your body. You're angry at God, you're angry at everything. everything. Yeah. 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 And then and I was, and then I was yeah. freaking out. Cause I'm like, I told my husband, I said, you didn't sign up for this. And I, cause I'm like thinking to myself, Oh my God, this is my whole entire life right now. And it's going to yeah. be his whole entire life. I said, you didn't sign up for this. And I actually gave him an out. You can go like, this is not. And he's like, Jamie, we got married in sickness and in health. Yeah. And I'm like, yes. okay, you're right. He says, you wouldn't leave me, would you? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're no, like, right. No. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah. No, of course not. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your podcast. Um, I listened to a couple episodes and you talk about the sisterhood of 
breast cancer survivors. Um, so I'm going to talk about that. And then you also talk about um, the education and the preparation. It's not just about your, your diagnosis, you're in it, but you know, how can women be, if, God, the odds are one in eight, you probably should start preparing, you know? Um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. Cause it sounds like that's what you're, you're attempting to do to get that education out there to women. Yes. Yeah. So about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, I was really still in that deep, dark place, even though I just had my mastectomy and, and, and reconstruction, um, I was on the mend, uh, but I was feeling really, really down. Like I was depressed and come to find out that survivorship is not just, ah, let's go back to normal and everything's okay. Cause that is just not what happens. You know, like, I feel like a, a pretty different Jamie. I'm Jamie at the core. Um, but I have bloomed into a different type of Jamie, I guess, um, advocacy, a lot of advocacy. And I've always, uh, supported women and anyone for that matter. Um, but I was feeling like I didn't have any significance or a purpose in life. And remember I had just retired and I had been doing a million other things before yeah. that. Then I get breast cancer. That was my life for the better part of a year. And at that point it was like, shit, now what, what am I yeah. like? What am I yeah. going to do now? You stalled and out basically. Yeah. And my husband and I were not connecting. Like he was a really, really good caregiver, super good, very loving. We have a very, very uh, strong relationship, but we were not connecting. And um, I, I left the house for a couple of days because I was just, I didn't, I didn't like what was going on. We ended up starting to go to therapy and we're still in therapy. So and I'm like, I have to, I feel, I don't feel important. I don't feel like I have any purpose. And that's when I was like, I need to help people podcast podcast. I know how to podcast. Yeah, I had one before. So that's where test those breasts were, was born. My husband came up with the name. And the reason we came up with that name is because gosh, darn it. You need to test those breasts and you need to test it on a regular basis. And you need to do that before you get breast cancer. <laughs> because, yeah, because, well, you know, because early detection, honestly, truly is, is, is where it's at. Mm -hmm. And I have met so many people who have had stage zero, stage one breast cancer. And is it easier? It is, it is a lot less, um, invasive. Like I went through chemo, lost my hair, all the things right. Had, you know, the surgery. Um, but I have friends who, found it so early that they were able to either have a lumpectomy, have some radiation. It does affect your life tremendously. I just interviewed a couple of gals uh, just recently that hasn't released yet, but it's all about that early detection. So test those breasts. And, mm -hmm. um, and my target audience it are people who've never had breast cancer. Yeah. 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 Well, you talked about the, um, pushing your appointment up, the, the breast density, all these things that factor into testing and when you get tested and you, it sounded like you had um, some, you had some connections. So you were able to, to push things along a little more. Um, 
and initially you're like, no, I'm fine. I'm just going to go, yeah, schedule this mammogram. And your husband called bullshit on it. Yep. And you picked <laughs> up the phone. The thing is, the point I'm rambling and trying to get to is we women really have to be our own advocates and we have to know what we're talking about. We have to make demands because the old get your mammogram um, once a year after you turn 45 and they squeeze your breasts and you're good to go. And I have dense breast tissue and implants and yeah, it scares me that something could be missed. Um, you have to know you can ask for that ultrasound. You can demand the ultrasound, the 3D. Um, I don't think a lot of women know they have that voice. They do not. They do not. And that's why in most of the episodes, a lot of the episodes, I intertwine my story into, uh, and I, and I do try to, uh, mention that how I actually called back and said, yeah, that is not true. Uh, because I want people, I want to reinforce a million times to people, listen to that voice in your, in your mind, yeah. Listen to your body. Don't say, oh, no, no, you know, because of course we women also are always taking care of other things, right? Mm -hmm. We're always, you know, taking care of the kids or the husband or whatever it is, friend, other friends, anything that we need to do except for ourselves. Sure. Um, so yeah, you, we don't know. A lot of people don't know that just because your doctor says, oh yeah, we just need to do this uh, little mammogram, 2D mammogram, and you should be good to go. No. I want people to understand that you can get an ultrasound too. You know, I would ask for the 3D mammogram. I would ask for the ultrasound. And some people have said, you know, well, my insurance won't pay for it. You know what? What I have found is that everything is negotiable. Yeah. And I mean, I, we, I've been working with people who've had trouble with insurance, getting their uh, breast reconstruction. I had mine in new Orleans. I had the autologous surgery um, where they use the, your own tissue. Um, and so there's some women are like, oh gosh, you know, they won't take my, the insurance denied me. And I have a gaggle of women who we all talk about these things. And we say, you need to know how to respond to that denial. You need to know how to use the verbiage when you respond to that denial. You need to have a peer-to-peer -peer review because, and even surgeons that I've interviewed have said, they don't want to lose your business <laughs> insurance, but you're the customer. Yeah. So either go, you can go to your HR and say, this is what I need. I need you to help me advocate to be able to get this done. Because I remember asking for a, a diagnostics uh, mammogram and a, uh, an ultrasound a while back, you know, like five, six, seven years ago. And they're like, well, why do you need that? And I said, because I want it. Yeah, <laughs> because I, have, yeah. I have dense breast tissue and I want it and I wanted yeah. a more of a clear view. And so demanding. So some people are afraid to demand that. And you know what? It, this is your body and you need to be able to get the tests that you want to get and need to get. And mm -hmm. I'm and, and I'm will not be pushed off that hill. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's the voice that women need to hear because we think we're just under the thumb of insurance or complacent medical care doctors. Um, you know, and there's also the comfort in denial. Oh, okay. I had my 2D. It said it was fine. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'll go next I'll go next year. Um, you know, but... you just said something that really 
was interesting. You said that, um, you know, that complacent um, providers or insurance companies. The thing is, is that insurance companies have denied things that should not have been denied. I have a very rare anemia that, that came out of my, uh, another tumor that they found in my body. And it, I got this anemia and I had to get blood transfusions and they sent my oncologist and me a denial letter that they weren't going to pay for it because it wasn't life-threatening. They were thinking that it was a, an iron deficiency when it was not an iron deficiency. Mm -hmm. It was a bone marrow pr production of my, um, uh, red blood cells, uh, situation where yeah. it was in fact life-threatening. So I had to have them call them and say, no, this is, is life threatening. So Insurance companies don't have empathy. They don't right. know a lot of things. They don't know things that I know. They just know that we need to deny this because whatever, because of code, whatever. Yeah. And diagnostic then, code. Yeah. And then yeah. you have your providers who, while they are doctors and they are smart, I got it. They don't know everything and they, and they can be in, they're not infallible. And right. so- getting second opinions, making sure that, because sometimes we know more than they do. Sure. We know our bodies for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's true. It's true. But when you yeah. get, um, I know my mom's experience with, with doctors was they would just talk over her head and throwing medical jargon mumbo jumbo mm -hmm. at her and she would just nod her head. Okay. Uh, you just tell me where to go and when to be mm -hmm. there. And I didn't have a voice. She didn't think. And she mm -hmm. was terrified, terrified. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. She comes from a different, um, uh, generation too. Definitely. So, yeah. you know, e even up to even today, there's sort of this patriarchal type, uh, you know, medical system and, um, you know, even back in the eighties and, and before mm -hmm. that. So women, I have found, uh, illnesses sometimes weren't even talked about. Like some people don't even know their mom had breast cancer or, you it know, or none of their friends knew because they, you just, mm -hmm. those are just things you don't, you don't talk about politics and you don't talk about your health, you know, having cancer. Right. Whereas mm -hmm. now, um, I'm a very open person and I will talk about whatever I want, you know, sure for you. Yeah. and I, yeah, and, and I will, true. yeah. And I'll ask well, questions, you know, <laughs> you, you revealed your age, um, off air 56. Yes. Okay. That's so young for cancer. Yeah. I mean, the older <laughs> I get, you know, <laughs> young, it seems like it, older, right. But if that makes sense. You know, yes. it's like, that's young. Someone dies well, at 60. I'm like, they died so young. Right. Um, and I was 54 when I was diagnosed. Oh, I have interviewed gosh. quite a few women who were um, late 20s and through their 30s, new mothers uh -huh. in their 30s. Mm -hmm. um, so it's getting younger and younger. And, you know, and so that's the other thing is that these younger women have a difficult time because they're like, Hey, I, you know, I want to get a mammogram. Well, why do you want a mammogram? You're only 33 years old. You don't need <laughs> you it till you're 45. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, yeah. and that is just uh, not true. And I know younger women who've had colon cancer and things like that. And it does not have to be in your family. Most people's like, Oh, well, if you don't have it in your family, you don't need it. And I just find that to be so wrong. Because more people yeah. who don't have it in their family get breast cancer than people who have it in their family. 
Well, and this is a, a story we talk about a lot. It's about being your own advocate and you, you mm-hmm. have to, but you know, a funny thing, it's not funny really, but with breast cancer, not breast cancer itself, but getting our breasts checked. So as women, we, um, the mammogram, we hate it every time. Right. And I remember my first one and I have dense breasts too, and a lot, unfortunately. Um, so, um, <laughs> the first time was fine. The second time I went to a different place. Right. And so they didn't have something to a set point. And so then they started sending me through all this stuff. So I had to get the 3d and I had to get the ultrasound and I'm like, what is happening? Why now you've got me scared. Right. Um, to find that nothing was wrong. Mm-hmm. And so there, but nobody explained what was right. going on. And so then I was like, okay, well, I'm never going to go to a different place. If I keep going to the same place then they, they already are familiar with what my breasts look like and what they're looking for. And so now I have to get the 3d every time, but I don't have to do the ultrasound, but now listening to you, I'm like, maybe I should be doing the ultrasound too. So I don't know. That's just kind of interesting, but yeah. And the 3d, um, I, that is a question I will ask my friend, Tammy. She is, she works in radiology and mammography. Um, and that is a question I asked her the other day because I met with a friend of mine who had a mammogram and I don't remember if she had a 2d or 3d, but, uh, my tip, my friend, you know, she said, I asked her, I said, should she still have the ultrasound? She goes, absolutely. As much as you can get. Um, so the 3d might, might be a little bit different. Um, but let me check on that. I'll ask her because she's okay. really, really knowledgeable about super modern, modern technology. Like she's the one that told me, do you know that not everyone, you don't have to get, you know, like when people have radiation, they go in like Monday through Friday, every day for, you know, 30 to 60 days, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just like crazy. She goes, did yeah. you know that you can get, you know, um, a one and done? Oh, wow. Really? You know, and it's, it's either, and there's, or there's one that's like five days or something like that. I have to, um, uh, ask her where those are because sometimes we don't know where to, where to find those. So if we, if they're not in our area, um, then of course we don't know, like the kind of surgery that I had on my breasts, we don't do that in our area. Had I not had three friends reach out to me to tell me about this other kind of surgery I could have, I would never have known. And I would never have been able to go to New Orleans to do what I did because they're not going to tell me about it here. Well, they don't even know about it, right? Yeah. (laughs) Or they, or they, or they don't just don't do it. And they, you know, and so, um, there are certain things that you can do to find out what kind of treatment you actually need. So they can do a test on the tumor to find out whether you actually need chemo. I didn't know about that. I, I, they never, they never did that for me, but I guess I could have. Right. And and I guess with some breast cancer too, they can treat with hormones or lack thereof hormones. Right. And I had a friend, unfortunately she ended up passing, but for the longest time they treated her by um, putting her into menopause because it was estrogen related. Mm-hmm. So I, that was interesting too. She mm-hmm. fought it for about 10 years, but unfortunately she did lose the battle. So I'm that's sorry. tough, but yeah, yeah I mean, well, happened, so. yeah. And this is, uh, I'm still learning to this day, these podcast episodes that I do, I'm, I learned something 
every single episode from people. And so part of this, I started this, you know, as a healing mechanism for me, because it's my way of, you know, doing my blog or what, you know, people write a book, they do a blog, I do a podcast. I learn something every single day. So there's like questions I don't know the answer to, but I know where to find out. And so I want people to be able to take as much information as they can. And I actually have had people reach out to me and say, Hey, Jamie, thank you so much for doing this episode, you know, on, you know, such and such, you know, lymphatic system and in lymph, you know, having your lymph nodes removed or whatever, because I would never have known that. Or because of your podcast, I went in and got my first mammogram or my first mammogram in five years or, you know, so I was like, good, my job here is done. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and we talk a lot, Bonnie and I talk a lot about holistic approaches as much as possible. Talk about that a little bit and what you've discovered and what you think. I mean, I think my recommendation would be to do a combination of, yeah. And that's probably where you would go. What are some of the interesting things you found out about? treating the body, the self-care portion, as well as what the doctors are telling you to do. Yeah. So one of the things about holistic care is that your providers need to be included in that. They need to be part of that holistic care. And sometimes when we are in with our providers, they are not, they're just very mechanical and telling you what, you know, and they need to be part of this. So like if I'm going into my oncologist and I am really upset about something emotionally upset um, and just bawling, you need mm-hmm. to have a provider who can say, Hey, Jamie, I see, you know, that you are struggling and in their toolbox that they should have of holistic care items. <laughs> I have a therapist that you might really want to talk to. I found, I have some other patients who really found, you know, it to be very, very helpful with this person and, you know, and, and, um, having holding space for that patient that mm-hmm. is something that I have really tried to uh, drive home to, for for patients, but or for providers, but that doesn't always happen. So what I did is, I I realized when at, before I started my chemo that I was in a very dangerous place. Like I thought to myself, if I don't get out of this hole, uh, this scary hole, I'm not going to make it. Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, uh, it's it, I have to figure out something. So I reached out to a guy named Eddie Enover on Facebook that I had just, you know, found. And he's a therapist in Australia. And I told him my story in the middle of the night. I t- texted him a story on Facebook and said, here's my situation. I said, I am in a really bad place. And I've read your story. I've watched your videos. Can we talk to see how you can help me? And Mm -hmm. so, um, and so he and I work together, um, and he's all about holistic care, um, talking about nutrition. He taught me things that I should be eating that can help with the efficacy of the chemo. He taught me about coffee enemas. He talked to me about meditation and making sure that I'm moving my body, getting out and walking Mm -hmm. around the block. Um, you know, and so he helped me tremendously. And then I started seeing my other therapist that I still see to this day. So eating, finding anything that helps you get through the treatment, um, emotionally, um, it's just so important because we can find it and talking about it because I, we can find ourselves in this hole and not talking to anyone about it. And then therefore you're not even really learning anything and really learning anything about yourself. Um, and so I, 
I always encourage people to find your people, find, even if it's a group of three people that you can talk to. And, um, because a lot of most, a lot of other people aren't going to understand what you're going through. Um, so finding your people who have been through it, um, is very, very helpful. And I, I, that's what I did. I'm a networker by nature. So I reached out to people that I knew had it. And then people actually connected me to people that, that could help me as well. So, um, but yeah, what there's everything, there's going to be something that works for everyone. You just have to have to figure it out whether in whether that's being, you know, you know, grabbing more onto your religion, um, or your, you know, your spiritual background, you know, whatever you've done that has helped mm-hmm. before. Um, I, all I know is I pulled through it somehow. <laughs> all the parts and pieces for sure. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And allowing yeah. yourself to go through the emotions. That's probably one of the biggest things is I was so angry at, at my emotions. Um, and I've always been an emotional person. Um, and I feel like we need to allow ourselves to actually move through those emotions, hang yeah. out there for a minute, feel it, surf, surf yeah. those waves move yeah. on. Um, yeah. And that's true how, with anything, you know, grief and. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is grief, which you were going. It through. is grief. Yeah. The, yeah. The anger, the the physical illness of it. They don't tell yeah. you that the treatment can nearly kill you or mm-hmm. the side effects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say my mom ended up with that same anemia. It's um, called she, she had respiratory things too. She had, you know, to this day, uh, bone fractures, all these side effects that come from the treatment that they don't tell you about. So it's a, yeah, this uh, mine is mine is called pure red blood cell aplasia anemia, and I can do a okay. whole TED talk on it, <laughs> but yeah. only because I've learned so much about it, and I've had to go and get second and third opinions about the mm-hmm. medication and what was going on with my body because I stumped most pretty much all the doctors here in in uh, where I live. And, mm-hmm. um, so I really had to reach out and learn more about it. So I know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, she's, she's a couple years now, um, cancer free, but still suffering from the negative effects of mm-hmm. the, the treatment, the mm-hmm. anemia, the bone, um, fragility, the all, all sorts of things. No, neuropathy. Yeah. They just don't tell you. And then, yeah, the emotional damage. Um, do you feel like there's hope for the medical community in getting them on board with these holistic tools and, you know, being less, I I get it, particularly oncologists, they're scientists. So Mm -hmm. they're just blah, 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 spewing off these medical things. And they're, I'm sure they're good people. They have hearts in there, but they forget how to be human. Yes. uh, Yeah. (laughs) And I also feel like, um, if someone has never experienced it before, that's really difficult for them. I mean, they can be empathetic and all of that. Um, I feel like I'm a lot more empathetic, um, as a human being since going through this, I was empathetic before I always have been, I, you know, even as a kid, um, but I get it now. 
And I think that if an oncologist has not, they see it every day, but if they haven't really experienced it themselves emotionally and physically, it's hard. And so to answer your question, yes, I do. I absolutely do um, feel I have a lot of hope. Um, and I, and there are a lot of providers out there that I have met who absolutely are all about holistic care. Even the breast center that, uh, hospital that I went to in new Orleans, they're all about holistic care. Um, I'm in contact with, uh, an oncologist that I have interviewed Dr. Tiffany Trosso, who reached out to me from New York and we are always talking. She's very empathetic. Um, and she's all about helping women get through the cancer journey and um, including holistic care type, you know, uh, methods. So much more to it than just finding the um, top rated scientist, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. It, they're just, it's just so complex, multifaceted. Um, and I feel like people, who are talking about it, like me and all the other people that I have run across that I've never even met in person. We're just really good friends. Now we're sisters, Mm -hmm. um, being out there and open and, and putting things on Instagram and, and educating people. That's where that's going to come from. And there are power in numbers when it comes to that kind of stuff. You know, we almost lost, um, the, uh, ability to have deep flap surgery that I had my, uh, autologous surgery that they, with my own breast tissue. And, um, when I talk about my breasts, I touch my breasts. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you know how many times I've had to sit on my hands during this conversation? (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, are we touching now? What do we got going on? (laughs) Well, right after I got my surgery a little over a year ago, the first surgery, uh, I found out that there was a coding crisis and CMS, um, which is the umbrella, the decision makers of all the insurance companies, they were going to sunset the code to allow uh, women with breast cancer to get this kind of surgery. And it's the newest, most modern um, type surgery. And they wanted to marry it with the older uh, breast surgery that compromises the muscle. It's a totally different surgery, takes more time to to, uh, recover and all that, but they were going to sunset it. And it was a crisis. And one of the surgeons that I ran across was, it was very instrumental in getting all these other people together. So power in numbers, we can change the system. We can change decisions and we did. And so they ended up uh, making the decision to not sunset the code back in August. And so we realized how powerful we patients are. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, we're more powerful than, than the surgeons are in making things happen. So that's, you know, that, that gave me a lot of hope. <laughs> you, use your and, voice back to that, Bonnie, again, use your voice. Use you, your have, voice. you have it, use yeah. it. So, and be your, you, own you know, it's like, it's like when people, yeah, it's like when people say, oh, you know, my vote doesn't matter. The hell it does. <laughs> it doesn't, right. It does yeah. It yeah. Does. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every single vote adds up. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. it's the same, same story. Yeah. So good. So Jamie, um, thank you again for being on the show, but let's, um, let's kind of start to wrap up a little bit and give us some big advice that you might want to share with our audience to, to get them making sure they're checking the girls and doing what they need to do. Yeah. Don't be scared. 
you know, I, I, I know it is scary, but, um, when you, you just have to make sure that you are always thinking about your body, always listening. If you feel, and I'm not saying be a hypochondriac or anything like that, but if you, if you, we, we, our intuition is so powerful. And if you're feeling something that is a little off, like it doesn't feel right to you, just call the doctor, get, start the process of getting yourself checked out, listen to your body and test those breasts. You know, early detection is where it's at. We already know the statistics of, of how many people get breast cancer, men and women. Um, and we already know this. So if you are in your thirties or anything like that, and you do have it in your family, absolutely go get them checked. But if you feel something, if you feel a lump, if you feel any kind of burning sensations and, and, and you're, you know, and something doesn't feel right, you have the right to go get it checked out. And so yeah. test those breasts, early detection matters. Yeah. And I just want to throw something else in. You were talking about lumps and stuff, but I have also, I think I saw it in a movie and read about it, but uh, sometimes it's discoloration. Yes. So if there's anything to get it checked. Yes. And inverted, some people, some people feel like uh, see an inverted uh, nipple, any Mm. kind of indents or whatever discoloration. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. We so (laughs) very much appreciate it. And I think this is so important, you know, with, with our Gen X crowd, we're, we're all at that stage that it could happen and it's even unfortunately likely to happen. So Well, and also there's a huge, huge, huge support system out there. So I encourage people to reach out to me or anyone else out there. Um, I'm on Instagram under test those breasts. And then I'm on Instagram with a million other survivors and they have taught me so much and we teach each other things and we, we bring to light a lot of information. So that's a huge sisterhood of all sisterhoods. Okay. Okay. So Test Those Breasts is also the name of your podcast, correct? Yeah. Test Those Breasts and it's on all the platforms and and YouTube. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been really, uh, well, a little bit terrifying. I just, I just don't believe in sugarcoating anything. No, Honestly, no. I don't want to sugarcoat and I don't want people to sugarcoat it with me. No, I think um, that's so, the problem. Yeah. We spend too much time in avoidance and sugarcoating and denial you know, and yeah. denying the monster and let's just get real. Let's be yeah. honest and open and help a sister out. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. Well, Bonnie and Ramey, thank you. I appreciate your having me on. And I I appreciate what you do. I love your podcast and I love listening to your stories. I'm on to yours next, Bonnie, um, to listen to what your story is, but I have to finish Ramey's first at the very beginning. You guys interviewed each other and I just think that's great. Yeah, it, it was um, scary. Talk about scary. <laughs> we getting vulnerable, We've come right? Come a long ways, baby. <laughs> yeah, we All have. Right. Okay. So your podcast is Test Those Breasts. Highly recommend it. Listen to it. I listened to a couple episodes, and I'm going to devour it. And uh, one of the things so- I just wanted to mention is that I just applied for a nonprofit. Um, so I'm waiting for that. And okay. so I, I intend to not, not make money on it, but to, 
um, help me run the platform. Cause you ladies know what, what yeah. it takes to oh, you yeah. know, run the platform, but also, mm-hmm. um, to help other ladies. I'm hoping to be able to provide scholarships to people who have been diagnosed and provide that much needed education on a website that I am, um, that I'm developing right now. So okay. that'll be out there too. Well, so keep, keep us in that loop so yep. we can share it with our listeners. Yeah, to get that great. word out there. All right, listeners, go check your breasts. Do it. And um, we will talk to you next week. Everyone have a fabulous week. Don't forget to rate us, share us, give us that thumbs up, email us, conversations on life, work, and love at gmail.com. Have a wonderful week. Join us every Thursday for more conversations on life, work, and love. And when you're ready to find your own voice and your own path towards a well-lived life, we'd love to be your coaches. Reach out to us through our websites. You'll find me, Ramey, at renovatedrealities.com. And you'll find me, Bonnie, at bonnieblackstone.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to review, rate, and follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.